uh, for last week, uh, covering Sunday morning and Sunday evening. Um, it's just a blessing to know we have many people who can teach the Word of God and be a blessing uh, to uh, the congregation because they love you too. Pastor Dan and Keiko, they, they love you. We're going to continue in the series, Fulfilling God's Dream in You, and today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit uh, touchy, and uh, we're talking about keeping a life that's pure. Let's go back over what we began with, is that every person has a destiny, and we're learning how you get from your dream to your destiny. Every person has a God-given dream. You and I have a God-given dream. He has given that to you when you're a child or young adult or an adult, and he spoke to you. Uh, you have experienced things. There's desires that you have to do things for the kingdom of God. And at first, you wonder what that's all about. And, and then as the days and the weeks and the months and years uh, move, what you then begin to experience, you begin to experience what God is saying to you. Now, God is something that he wants you to accomplish that no one else can. And we need to really pinpoint our dreams and the destiny as in that there's something that God's given you that in that only you can do that. Now, we're going to learn in a few weeks that there are times when people reject what God gave them, that God will use others to fulfill that. But in essence, God has a dream for you. You are important to him. What he has asked you to do, he is totally 100% behind that. Uh, it's not the pizza you ate the night before. It is literally a revelation of who you are and what you are. God's dream in you is more than what you will do. We're going to find that it's a lot more of what we become. And this is uh, another stage of testing that God did with Joseph, and it is what we can call the purity test. Others are gifted similar to you, and, uh, and if you look at it, it looks like they have the same gift as I do but they do not have the same destiny. So realize that, that a lot of people in Christendom are always looking at what other people have accomplished and it's caused them to feel bad about themselves. I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough. Why do they do that and not me? But I want you to understand what God is looking for is you and me to be obedient and accomplish what he's given us. There are a lot of people that, that um, teach better than I do, that have accomplished more than, than I ever could dream of in ministry. But the reality is I'm accomplishing the dream that God's given me. I'm accomplishing the call that God's given me. And so when I go to heaven, a long ways from now, when I go to heaven, the Lord will say, well done, thy good and faithful students. Uh, servant because what I have done as I've heard, I've lived out, I've allowed God to transform my character and to bring me into a place 
that he can use me in the areas that he's called me. And I can demean myself. I can feel bad about, well, I, I wish I could have done this or I wish I could have done better than this. The key is, is what I'm trying to get you to understand is what God wants you to do, hear him and just come under obedience to him and accomplish what he's asked you to do. And in the process of that, love people, encourage others, be a blessing to others, and not measure yourself to anybody else. The only person you ever measure yourself to is God. And let me tell you, you cannot get better than God. So what you do is you learn from the Lord and God will bring people in your life to help you. He'll bring uh, people in your life to maybe sometimes correct you. That boss that maybe you don't like, maybe God's trying to correct an attitude in your life so that when the boss says something, you don't first receive it as he or she is mean or doesn't treat you well. And the, the world teaches us the opposite of all God's character. And so what we're learning in how do we handle, how do we face trials, how do we face tests in the process of getting to our destiny. So he chose you to do it. In the billions of people on this earth, past, present, and future, God chose you to do it. You are the important one. You are his son or his daughter. You are the one that can recognize that call because guess what? He will use prophets. He will use others to encourage you, to help you understand things as you grow. But bottom line, he's speaking directly to you. You are the one, okay? For me to tell my wife that I love her, I tell her. I don't tell other people to tell her. I tell her. And God is, loves you, and he tells you things. And if you don't get it or you struggle in that, then he will bring others to help you realize how much he really loves you. So he chose you to do it and no one else. Here's another point. God wants you to know your dream and to reach your destiny. God doesn't play games with us. He doesn't run around looking for someone so he can joke around with, so he can dangle you over the fire and say, ha ha, just kidding, and bring you into an area of your life that you're frustrated with God. But the world, the enemy, wants you to be frustrated with God. The world wants you to say things like, well, you know, I know that God speaks. I know that God talks, but he doesn't talk to me. Yeah, he does. Can I just say something in grace, but it might sound harsh? You're just not listening. Or you haven't learned his character in how he speaks to you. And this is what um, we're trying to do in this series uh, talking about Joseph's uh, dream and the 10 tests that he faced, I want you to realize that there are going to be seasons in your life, there are going to be seasons that are tough, and there are going to be joyous seasons. 
There are going to be tests. There are going to be trials. But be of good cheer that God has overcome the world and what he's promised you will take place if you will patiently learn and listen. And the older I get, the realization I come to is that he doesn't stop this. You can be 100 years old and you're still going through tests because there's still more you can do for the kingdom of God. So don't give up. Don't, don't think that you failed in an area and, you know, that, you know, I know God, he's mad at me and, and I have ruined everything. My family hates me. And, you know, maybe there's some that are listening to my voice and, and maybe your family does hate you. Maybe you've done some things that are awful, but there's forgiveness and it doesn't change God's heart towards your destiny. What you have to do is come back to him. Uh, we, we find a story in there and where uh, a son decides to take his inheritance and he goes out. Remember, he starts eating with the pigs and he finally realizes, you know, if I go home, at least I can eat the scraps on my father's table. And he goes home. That's a sign of the forgiveness and the grace of God, even though uh, we've been uh, rough people in our past. So forgiveness is there. So there's not one thing that can stop you from attaining your destiny except yourself by not receiving what God says about you. We're looking at the life of Joseph, and there are 10 tests he faced that we will face in our life also. Every one of us must pass all 10 to fulfill our God-given destiny to. We're going to have to pass them. And how many of you have realized from your past that at times you didn't pass the test? And how many of you knew what God was saying to you, but you rejected it, and you tried to figure a way out of it, but you found out that you went back to the same thing? And God worked with you. Why is that? Because he doesn't give up on you. We, do, we serve a God of a second chance, a third chance, a hundred chance, 500 chances. That's the God we serve. Everybody might reject you. Everybody might leave you because of your character that was bad before. God will never leave you nor forsake you. So cheer up, but we're going to dig into some things and we're going to say some strong things tonight. The good news is, again, if you fail one, you get to take it again. You will not fulfill your destiny without passing all of them. So what we've talked about, we've talked about the pride test, we talked about the pit test. Last week, Pastor Dan, and I heard he did a great job, spoke about the palace test. And tonight, we're going to talk about the purity test. And I'm, I'm going to say this and, and realize um, when I'm saying this, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody. But in most churches... At times, even in leadership, there's sin in the camp. There's sin. And there are things that we, that we do that are not of God. 
And people have learned to have a different face when they come to church. And I'm just saying to you, again, remember, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody here. And if I was, I have three pointing back at me. But we have to realize is there is something in the house of God that we have to be very careful with and make sure that sin doesn't become a normal. That living a life of sin and doing things on the outside doesn't become a normal. That we get to a place where we're going to learn um, how to keep ourselves from moving into that lifestyle style or have that character issue. But if you are failing this test, the purity test, God has not written you off. God has not written you off. You can repent and return to the Lord, and you can pass the test. Well, let's turn to Genesis 39. Look at your tablets, your phones, your Bible. And um, let's understand that in Genesis 39, it begins to bring us into a story of Joseph and you're going to experience something that's very awful and something that he's gone through that wasn't his fault because he passed the test with flying colors. Verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes, longing eyes, remember that, on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in this house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me, speaking to the wife, but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Joseph called impurity great wickedness and sin against God. Great wickedness and sin against God. Verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. Notice a trap was set. The enemy will try to put a trap in, in your life. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. See, the purity test has to do with character. And character supports destiny. Destiny does not support character. Let me say it another way. The call that you have in your life doesn't have power to protect your character. I'm going to say it again. The purity test has to do with Character, and character supports destiny. Destiny does not support character. 
Character is the foundation of destiny. I want you to understand that. Character is the foundation of your destiny. If there's anything that you learn, and there's a lot you're going to learn tonight, if there's anything you're going to learn, it's about your character. It's about that secret life that you have. Character is supports your destiny. And lack of character can hinder destiny. You will never go any further in your destiny that your character allows you to. So if there's difficulties in your life, and understand what I'm talking about, is basically I'm not just talking about purity, I'm talking about any area of your life. If there's areas of your life that you're struggling with, we're going to show you what to do to help that. But you need to understand, it. your character only allows you in the spirit realm to attain where you're going to go with the destiny that God has planned for you. I'm not saying spiritual growth doesn't matter. Spiritual growth helps and develops character. But we need to get our, our thought process on the mentality of our character. Now, Scripture says you will never be tested above things you can handle, but you will be tested. God will mold and shape your character before you reach your destiny. Because God knows the way he created the kingdom, the way he created you, is that you cannot handle the destiny that is spiritually strong and powerful you cannot handle it if your character does not match it. Okay, well, let's go on. See, I'm glad most of you have your covers on your face because I don't see your reaction of what I'm saying. <laughs> so let me say it this way. Your character is the foundation. Your destiny is the building. God will not allow the building to be built until the foundation is laid in your character. Father God is working on our character and purity is part of our character. So when I'm talking about purity, it's one of those touchy subjects and embarrassing subjects sometimes to people. Um, but I, I want you to recognize we're talking about the whole aspect of our character, not just purity. The palace test is a stewardship and the purity test is stewarding your body and your thoughts. I'll say that again. The palace test is the stewardship test, and the purity test is stewarding your body and your thoughts. Stewarding your appetite. Stewarding lust. We must come to a place where we steward well all that God has given us, bringing it under control. So tonight I'm going to help you take control in the area of impurity. You know, I, I, when I teach things like this and I know that I am, I recognize, you know, you go to the mall, you got these big posters of had clad, you know, clad women, now half clad men, 
You have these bulletin boards out. Statements are, are made. You have commercials that you're watching a cartoon with your kids, and all of a sudden the commercial comes on, and it, it's just it's awful. And, and so I know that there's a lot out there. But the Bible tells us what we need to do with it. So first of all, impurity does not begin in the heart. It begins in the eye. The Bible says, she cast longing eyes on Joseph. In other words, she looked at him. Joseph was good looking. He worked hard, so he probably was built really well. He was young. And, and the reality is, he was smart, and he was successful. And her husband was probably out all the time, being successful, but not around. And so every time that she saw Joseph, she cast longing eyes. Lust is empowered by looking and begins by looking. Remember King David. He fell into immorality because he saw Bathsheba bathing. But you know what? King David, when he walked out on the porch and looked down, he could have turned around and walked away. But he didn't. My question to you is, how long did David look? Joseph had opportunity to look. Why? Because he stewarded the house. He knew when the wife was taking a bath. He knew when the wife was changing clothes. But he had the stewardship of the house. He could have walked around and just planned on, oops, opening the door when she was changing clothes. But Joseph didn't do that. Why? Because Joseph loved God, and he passed the first two tests, and he made a decision in his life, or, or basically he failed the first two tests, and then he finally passed them. And then he finally decided, you know what? In every area of my life, I'm going to do what God asks me to do. And I'm going to become what God asked me to become. So the reason Joseph didn't fall, very simply, is because he didn't look. Why didn't he look? Because he chose not to. I just, I just want to tell you that. I, I don't want to get into this, this psychological, all the above. I just want to get into the wisdom of God and what God was pointing out, that she had longing eyes. I'm just telling you, choose not to look. And when you open the door or when you go on the porch or whatever, and it's there, you turn on the TV, and it's there, don't look. It's out there everywhere. Just don't look. The lie of Satan is this. You know, I can look, but don't touch. And that's a lie from Satan. A lot of people say, well, you know, just because I'm on the diet doesn't mean I can't look at the menu. I'm telling you, even in your diet, don't look. Amen. Just don't look. There is a progression that Satan has. If he can get you to look, then he can get you to lust, then 
you are set up for the fall in every area of your life. Satan tried with Joseph, but Joseph chose to run and not look. So again, this is not just sexual either. It's money, homes, cars, clothes. If you just look, you want to buy. It's a lie. Last November, I had to uh, stay home um, and um, situation arose in me physically uh, from the Africa stuff, and I was told to stay home for a few weeks. And while I was home, um, what do you do? I mean, I read, I, I, you know, read my Bible, I texted people, all the different things, I watched TV, and I told Terry, I said, you know what, the biggest problem about being at home watching TV is that you want to buy everything and you want to eat everything. Because why? Because you're looking. You know, there are things you don't even like. And if you look at it for a while, say, hmm, I need to try that. <laughs> Someone on TV is scantily dressed, don't look. Happens all the time. Psalm 101, verse 3 says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Proverbs 27, 20. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man, women, are never satisfied. Your eyes are never satisfied. I just want to tell you, your eyes are not saved. Your spirit is. <laughs> your eyes are part of your soulish aspect of your life, and, and you always have to work with that. Matthew 5, verse 27, 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Or that if she looks at a man, has already committed adultery in her heart. Again, notice a progression. Whoever looked, looking comes before lust. Matthew 5, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's just an example. Don't pluck your eye out. And cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. It all begins with looking. You still with me? Matthew 6. I'm just trying to show you the Bible tells us all over Scripture. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So every person that has a problem with lusting has a problem with looking. And a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I, it's, just, it's just hard because it's just, you know, I'm just a guy and, and uh, you know, I'm turned on by certain things. I'm just trying to tell you is that it's because the eye has not been trained to look away. 
because the eyes are trained to look and stay looking. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, some people will say, well, yeah, I've had this problem for a long time or whatever. And, you know, I probably can't even get over it. Let me just tell you how to do it very simply. People say, well, you need to go to counseling. Well, you know, counseling's good. But if counseling doesn't, doesn't tell you, don't look, you're not going to be helped because you're going to continue to feed. It's kind of like a fire, you know, and, and you got a bucket of gasoline and every minute you take a little cup of gasoline, throw it on the fire and you say, I wonder why that fire keeps getting bigger. I don't know why. I'm just, I'm just, it just keeps getting bigger because you're feeding it and how you feed it is looking. So when you're tempted, you do have an ability to turn your head, look away, and pray. God created men and women, and they look good. God created the healthy aspect of relationship. And we have to recognize that we have to look away and pray. Be accountable with someone. I'm not talking about, see, I'm not preaching, well, everybody's got to go to counseling. No. Very few people need to go to counseling. But I tell you, very few counselors bring you to the scripture and the truth of the word. They try to fix the emotions. I'm telling you, don't fix your emotions. Don't fix your looking. Just look on the right things. Does that make sense? And it sounds very simple. It is. Be accountable with someone, spiritual fathers, spiritual moms, a brother in the Lord, a sister in the Lord. And just don't bring it up all the time, but be accountable. Your spouse, be accountable. Ladies, produce an atmosphere he can share with no fear that he will be called a pervert. I can't tell you how many people uh, that have grieved my heart because a woman has called their, their spouse a pervert because they have a problem looking or, or whatever it may be, no matter how deep it is. You have to create an atmosphere where the man can communicate. And men, you have to create an atmosphere where your wife can communicate. And maybe your wife is not caught in the looking uh, towards another man, but maybe she's caught up in the looking of, of uh, TV. Or she's looking at, she goes shopping every day. I, I know people that they're just wonderful, their marriage is great, but the wife has a problem gambling. She'll sneak away for a few hours and she'll go to the gambling house and and gamble, and all of a sudden they have no money. And she says, I won't ever do it again. But it's just that battle that she has. And, and what she's looking at is she's, she's thought, if I could only win the lottery, or if I can only win this, or I can only win that. And she's looking for other things to get prosperity 
other than the way the word of God. You learn, you learn the palace test. Pastor Dan talked about it. It was great because that's one of Pastor Dan's fortes about giving and about tithe and, and all that area. And, and he's really good with that. So I was very happy that he was able to teach that last week. So we all have difficulties. And ladies, in today's day, many more ladies have problems with impurity. Here's the second thing I want to say to you. Impurity will affect your family and your children. 2 Samuel chapter 11 tells us David commits adultery. 2 Samuel chapter 13, David's children commit fornication. As parents, if you have this character issue, you are blinded to it and cannot help your children with it. And I'm not saying if your children have had struggles with that, it was your fault. But the scripture tells us that it, it can run in the family. In Numbers 14, 18, it says this, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. It doesn't say sin, it says iniquity. So let me explain that. Sin is a transgression or means that you've stepped over the line. A sin is something that you, you've stepped over the boundary line. Adultery is a transgression. Lust is iniquity. Lust is in the heart. Lust is in the heart and is the motivation that causes you and me to transgress, to sin, to step over the boundary line. So if we've understood in this teaching of the reality of, of the impurity test is that Joseph learned not to look. Matter of fact, in a moment, I'm going to talk about it, but he learned to run. And there are times because the temptation is there and the enemy is trying to set a trap for you, sometimes you need to run. Sometimes you just need to just pick up what you got right there and take off and go the other direction. Sin is the outward movement and the iniquity is the inward motivation. Sin is the action and the iniquity is the attitude towards what you're struggling with. So the conclusion in that is what is in your heart will go to your children or allow to remain in your heart. So watch what you look at. I, you know what? I, I like cars. I, you know, but I, I, I know I, I, there's a lot of things that I like. Uh, yeah, I look at golf clubs. I, there's a set of golf I like, but I just, I can't do it until I feel free to do it. Because I have trained my eye, and once in a while I look at it, I get online, and I look at these golf clubs, and I want to tell you, I want them yesterday. Okay? But I've learned 
that it's really not about, it is a little bit, but really not about the golf clubs, it's about the golfer. So if I'm going to get better at golf, then I need to get better in myself physically. Just an example. There's just so many other examples. Uh, food. You know, the, there's a fast food restaurant that you're, you're trying to take care of yourself. And, but on the way to wor work or on the way back from work, you drive by your favorite Kalima burger french fries. And, and, and you're, you're going by there all the time, and you say, well, just one bag, 100 bags of french fries will be good. And, and sometimes, because it's something that has got a hold of you, you need to realize that and repent because it's gotten in your heart. You're lusting after it. And it's food. Well, pastor, that's a good. God says he'll give me the desires of my heart. <laughs> Don't take that to extreme. All right? And sometimes maybe you just need to not drive by it. Men and ladies, if you allow fear in your heart, if you allow lust in your heart, if you allow money to rule you, it's iniquity that will get you. It will be passed on to sin in your life and could be passed on to your children. Did you know the Bible is perfectly put together? Did you know the Bible, the Word of God, is just amazing how it's put together? Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was wounded for our transgression outward, and he was bruised, a bruise is inward bleeding for our iniquities. So sin is on the outside, iniquity is on the inside, it's of the heart. And it will and can affect your family. So ladies, scripture always shows the morality of the woman. And hear this very strongly, ladies. Scripture always shows the morality of the woman determines the reality of society. You are the ones that hold the standard of morality. In every case of adultery, there was premarital sex. Premarital sex sows seed for adultery and immorality. Because when you were young, premarital sex, you had to hide. You were in your parents' home, and you had to hide. Or you had to wait for them to go out here, go out to dinner, Mom and Dad. And, and my girlfriend's going to be there, or my boyfriend's going to be there. And you know you got an hour and a half. And you hide and the exhilaration of all that. And then you get married and you don't have to hide anymore. And there are people that they got used to in their heart, lust, the exhilaration of hiding. And so we have to understand that most, and I would basically, everyone that I've talked to, I always ask the question, if there's been where either the woman or the man uh, commits adultery, I always ask them, did they have premarital sex? And every one of them have said yes. So in the Bible, 
Let me just say this to you, because a lot of people say, well, you know, the marriage certificate, that's not in the Bible, or that's not important. Well, no, it's not important, a marriage certificate, but pleasing the Lord is important. Pleasing the Lord is vital. You are not pleasing man by getting a marriage certificate and say, well, my marriage is right now. It's safe. No, you're pleasing the Lord. And we have to, to look at that. So how do you stop the process? Repent and go or look the other way. I, I will tell you, and, and there's no scientific statement here, but I will just tell you from pastoral experience of over 40 years, repenting and, and looking the other way, you can win your battle. You can spend thousands of dollars on counseling. You can buy 10,000 books. You can listen to five, six, seven conferences uh, a year. But looking the other way and repenting will fix most every situation in your life. Deal with sin and iniquity by getting forgiveness from God. Here's the third thing. <laughs> You're being real quiet. There's a third one. It will affect your relationship with God. All sexual impurity has at its foundation a deception. We cover it up. I talked about it earlier, about premarital sex. We cover it up. We lie. David committed murder to cover it up. King David. You learn how to adapt to where you are at. We have a tendency to learn how to adapt to sin because it keeps coming. The test is still there from the Lord. The enemy still is going after you and trying to condemn you, make you feel bad, and sets traps for you. But immorality involves a demonic spirit in your life and it hinders the depth of your relationship with God. <coughs> Excuse me. James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. And did you know that passage was written to the church? <laughs> it was written to us. Here's the next point. Impurity will affect your future, will affect your destiny. God knows and you know. So what's the answer? The Bible said she talked to David excuse me, Joseph, day by day. The Bible tells us that Potiphar's wife talked to him day by day, every day. Joseph, come here. Sweetheart, you're handsome. Day by day. And, and the answer, Joseph relied on God every day. Did you know that the enemy never takes a day off? So you need to pursue God every day. Amen. Joseph had a relationship with God 
that when the attack continued day by day, he was able to not look and say no. I, I don't want you to go past this point and that you didn't hear what I just said. It's because Joseph had a relationship with God. I'm not talking about being saved. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about had a relationship with the Lord. And so day by day, he was able to talk with the Lord. And day by day, he got the help from the Lord. And that is so vital and so important. So when the temptation got so intense, saying no wasn't enough. She began to grab him. And he ran. Did you know there's a scripture about that? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Out of a pure heart. You know what flee means? It's not a little bug. Flee means run. Look the other way. Depend on God every day. How do you run? You depend on God every day. You run to him and you don't look or give an occasion to what's going on. Let me just take in conclusion here. Let me just take you into another revelation of this. There are times that you fast. I'm going to fast because I'm going to get closer to God. You need to pinpoint those points, those areas that are causing you struggle, that are causing your heart to lust. Again, yes, we're talking about the impurity test, Joseph, with this other woman. And he passed the test with flying colors. But you need to realize there are times that you can be so angry at someone. And why the anger continues is because you are still looking at what happened last year. <clears throat> Instead of looking at what's happened with you today. What is God doing for you today? What is God bringing you into today? When you start looking at your dream and moving towards your destiny, you need to recognize, God, show me in my character what can be hindering my destiny. Show me why am I still holding anger? The Bible says to be angry and sin not. The Bible doesn't tell you that people aren't going to do wrong things, that people aren't going to tick you off. God got mad. God has emotions. What did Moses do? God said, I'm going to wipe them off to the face of the earth. And Moses says, no, 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 no. You look at who you are. He reminded God of who he was. And, and, and God didn't say, well, oh, I forgot. Yeah, that's who I am. No, he didn't say that. 
he looked at that and he stopped because he knew he was a God of love and grace. Oh, I want you to, I want you to really hear that. We have, we have so impersonalized God. We have so put him on, on such, he's God, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, all wisdom, all knowledge. He's everything. He cannot sin. He has not sinned. He was angry, but he didn't sin. But the scripture shows us what we are to do with ourselves. We are created in the image of God. We have the character of the Holy Spirit. So what character of the Holy Spirit are you struggling with? You begin to look at yourself and remind yourself of who you are in this area. Amen. And, and that's, that's, that's such a reality in life is that we impersonalize God and because of that, we don't understand ourselves. And we don't know how to fix things in our life. We don't know how to change our character because we have impersonalized God. And we can't be like God. We can't do that. And the Bible says we are. We're created in the image of God and the likeness of God. We have the Holy Spirit that resides in us, that speaks to us. And we have all wisdom and all knowledge and perfectness living in us called the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is whole. Now, as I say that, none of us are perfect. Every one of us have had challenges. We get mad at people. We don't want to be around them. We, we get frustrated. We hold things against our spouses for years when they had a problem. We, we, don't, we don't create atmosphere whereby your spouses can can uh, change and let God transform them because we remind them. You know, the, the enemy, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, but by our actions, by our thinking, because of what's in our heart, unforgiveness, all that, we, we put our spouses in boxes and they can't sprout. They can't, you know, they can't become everything that they want to be. And, and, and that's, the reality, and it goes back to looking, looking to lust. Have you ever known anybody that looks for problems in other people? Have you ever known anybody that gossips about other people all the time? But they complain about other people talking about them, right? You ever seen that? And, and of course, none of us in this room have ever done that, right? But we, we get to that place where we look to sin. We look to have problems with people. By the time you get to work, you're so mad at the person that did something a month ago that when you get there, you're mad all day at work. You can't stand them. You don't want to be around them. And sometimes because they aren't nice. But who are you? You're a child of God. You know, I, I noticed during COVID time, I noticed during the political time, man, <laughs> you know, you say one wrong word or, or, and everybody just flies off the handle. Everybody's angry. Everybody's frustrated. You know, because they couldn't go out to their favorite restaurant. They couldn't, 
buy their way out of their hurt or their problem. And I want to say to you that during this time, COVID time, God worked on man's character. And many of you, probably all of you, rose up and your character became solid because you trusted in the Lord. You looked to him in the situation. Amen. You find some people don't want to go back to work. I like being at home. You know, they say, but they don't want to go back to work. But I want to tell you, we need to be the best employee. We need to be the best boss, supervisor. If we're authority, we need to be the best authority. Working in character issues. Because why? God has given you a dream and he has a destiny for you to accomplish that only you have been asked to do. Again, here's the question. I'm sure Dan asked this and I asked this the last couple times that I taught is, do you know your dream? Do you know the vision that God's given you? The Bible says wait on it. Wait on it doesn't mean kick back and not do anything. Joseph's life is a teaching of what happens in the process from our dream to our destiny is we live out tests in our life that develops our character. And when our character is developed to match our destiny, we move on to greater heights. So my dream isn't bigger than what God gave me. My dream isn't Danny's dream. Danny's dream and what he's done in his life, what he's accomplished in his life, has he had tests? Has he had times where hard times and tribulation? Absolutely. If you knew his story, absolutely he had devastating times. But you know what I watched in Danny and his wife and his family? They kept their character. Did they have hard times? Did they probably weep? Did they have struggles? You know, trying to move on and move forward and all that. Of course. Why do I know that? Not because they told me, but because everybody does. Everybody goes through that. And there are times that, that I don't act like a pastor. I know you don't believe that, but ask my wife. There are times I don't act like a pastor. Amen. Did you really know that as who I am and my character, I really love people. But you know, once in a while in the 63 years of my life, I didn't like people. Did you know that people have hurt me at times? Did you know that people have done evil things at times and I had to take the brunt of it? And what I could have done is carried that my whole life and been angry and then be lesser than what I can be because my passion, I know my dream. I know that I can do it. I always say to leadership, is, and I, I got this from someone else. There's nothing new under the sun. 
But Pastor Wayne Cordero said this, and I say this now, that as a pastor, there's only about 5% of everything that pastors do that only I can do because I'm supposed to do it. And 95% of others, of everything else, other people can do because you're gifted and called and anointed and you have a dream and a destiny and your destiny and dream includes the church. Your character issue of your church serving one another and loving one another. That's what it's about. But getting back to impurity as we close. If you struggle in that area, don't look. Go the other way. As simple as that. Amen. Let's all stand. So build your relationship with God and look to him. Every day, focus on God and out of your mouth, proclaim the word of God. Just proclaim the word of God. That, okay, I'm gonna say it. See, Sunday night, you're gonna, I get, I kinda relax a little bit more. We, you know, is. If you're working with a jerk, whatever you do, an action or whatever, you can't change a cat into a dog. So realize what a cat does. Realize what a jerk does. But don't let the jerk cause you to become one. The simplicity of that. Okay? You, in schools, young people, there's bullying. And then you, you see people that are bullied, they become angry people, they, all that. And, and then they bully others. And they, they're angry and they yell at their parents and their brothers and sisters. No, no. The, what God is saying, there's a test here. There is someone, a bully out there. So develop your character that you handle what that bully does. Okay? There are people that are looking for love in all the wrong places. Don't go to the wrong places. Amen. They don't care if you have a ring on. But you create an atmosphere around you, an aura around you, not that you're stuck up or whatever. You create that around you that the moment you sense, and the Holy Spirit will show you, that there's stuff, people are looking for love and they're all in the wrong places, just start, start talking about your spouse. How much you love your spouse. Talk about your children, your grandchildren. And I have found through the years, <laughs> that stops it every time. Stops it every time. Well, we got to go. Father, thank you.